Wow, we've been together for 12 years. Isn't that crazy? It's been beautiful. It has been a ride. We've made a lot of mistakes. But we've learned so much along the way. We've done a lot of things great. And that's why we're here through this podcast. All we want you to do is live the best version of your life and come on the journey with us. So here we are to give you fresh inspiration, fresh momentum, and fresh ideas. Welcome Welcome to to the Fresh Life. Or this half of the generation is trying to figure it out. So 
they might not figure it out until their late 30s, 40s, 50s, or they may never figure it out. They're usually going to have children, and then it affects them. So a prime example is yesterday, or what's today? Uh, Tuesday. So on Sunday, we've seen our little brother raised. We've seen him preach. And in my my mind, I was thinking about how this is a prime example of advancing the culture. Pastor didn't start preaching until he was, what, 27, 28, or something like that. Here you see Ray preaching at 20. Yeah. That's what, that's what you mean about advancing the culture. Yeah. So it's not that we're trying to grow people up quicker, but we're just trying to get them quicker to maturity so that they can handle things at a better, you know, in a better way. And then it just it just moves us forward. So that's why, I mean, there's so many reasons why it's so important for us to really mentor the youth, to father our kids, to really be in their lives. But I think because we've had such a, um, a late start from history, yeah. Um, if we are more intentional about instilling into them the, the principles and values that they need and do it early on, um, and not just letting them be kids and just messing up their you know late teens or early twenties yeah. just because they want to party and have fun or whatever, it will move our culture forward collectively, and then we'll be able to accomplish more as a people. So. It's kind of like how Jay Z said, you know, his only job was to cut the time in half. Yeah. You know yeah. What I mean? Exactly. Exactly. And so it's like kind of that same feeling, like. You know, I'm I'm not gonna be a perfect you know father or right. a perfect mentor, but if mm-hmm. I can just cut in half mm-hmm. the time it took me to get what you what you should get, mm-hmm. then that's a great influence. You yeah. know, because it's still gonna take you some effort. Yeah, you know, like yeah. a perfect father doesn't give his kids such thing. He don't give it to them, yeah. but he at least makes that road easier yeah. to walk down, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you know that. You know, growing up as a black male, especially, mm-hmm. there is a struggle to create this pathway in life. Mm-hmm. I was looking up this a term. I'm not sure if you ever heard of it. And I, did, I had never heard of this term. So, trust me, like, if, yeah. it, I, it's called Henryism. Mm. It's crazy. So, Henryism, there's a guy named John Henry. And uh, he was, you know, and for those who are in the audience, if I, if I get this detail wrong, please, you know, correct me, you know, hit me up on Instagram, whatever. John Henry was a former slave, and he ended up working extremely hard to overcome, you know, the travails of being a slave. And mm-hmm. so he worked really hard, ended up owning, I want to say it was 80 acres of land, mm-hmm. um, taught himself how to read and write. <coughs> okay. And he worked extremely hard, had a family, but he died at 50. Mm-hmm. So Henryism is a, is a measurement scale for minorities, especially black people, as to say, those who have become affluent, mm-hmm. it what did it cost them yeah. to get there yeah. because of racial discrimination, because mm-hmm. of institutional racism? Like, mm-hmm. what did it cost their body, mm-hmm. their mental makeup, mm-hmm. in order to reach this place? Yeah. And that you know, for those who <clears throat> maybe have that uh, this low space in their life, who haven't been able to rise above yeah. you know poverty or whatever else. Do they live longer? Yeah. You know, and so it's, it's a very interesting study. That's really interesting. You know what I mean? Because yeah. there is there is correlation. Yeah. Um, there's correlation to just what it takes to grow up a black male in a racial world yeah. and how that impacts cardiovascular disease, yeah. um, how it impacts uh, diabetes. It, it impacts so many different areas Some of the health stress. Yeah. Things, yeah. How do you, you know, how do you kind of deal with some of the stresses, you know, of, of being such an ambitious person? Mm-hmm. Um, an ambitious male because there's so many males who desire to have more mm-hmm. and there's a lot of males who, who don't know how to become ambitious they don't know to have, how to have a plan like yeah. how do you kind of balance that out yeah um, I, I'm gonna be honest I you know when I, when I hear people ask questions like this and it's just like you know when, and when it's answered it's almost like when, when people answer it it's like they like like it's just like one cookie cutter answer mm-hmm. and to be honest this is something if I'm just being completely transparent this is something I'm still figuring out yeah. I mean you gotta think I'm in a different transition right or a different period of my life um, being a newlywed um, so obviously you know I have um, a responsibility to my wife who is my you know number one priority um, you know now starting you know a few um, new businesses um, you know it's, it's just you know I think that it's going to always be something that has to be reevaluated depending on what yeah. season you're in. 
So, for example, when you um, Jazz got married, you know, that was something that you had to figure out. And then when, you know, you had Caleb, that was something you had to figure out. And now JoJo's here. It's like, it's not just one kid, it's two kids. And then so on and so forth. So I think that it's not so much about something that I can answer right here and there. Um, as far as like in particular, in particular, how I, how I manage it, mm-hmm. I think it's more so just reevaluating re- or reassessing where you are, um, aligned with your priorities and then, and then everything else kind of falling in place. Mm-hmm. So, um, or falling in place. So for me, I would say I'm a newlywed. I know that me and my wife are really trying to learn each other, know each other. So that's something that I have to be more intentional about. On the flip side, I have our businesses. This is how we eat. This is how we, you know, we put food on the table. So that's something that I have to prioritize. But then also, I know that I need to have that um, that play, that work play, you know, life balance or whatnot. So how do I, you know, intertwine all three of those or whatever else it may yeah, be? Yeah. But um, I know what it is that I need to implement or what it is is in my life. I just need to reevaluate how I handle that, and that can always change on a weekly basis. That's true, because you know, this week you might spend. 70 hours working yeah you might not be able to do a date night you know it's cute to say yeah me and my wife we de- do a right. date night every week right 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 that's that's just not yeah. always a reality yeah. marriage and, goals yeah and for those who do that i respect you and i aspire to that but i just think it always changes especially for an entrepreneur Big so um i'm sorry if i didn't answer that for the audience but i would just say that you really have to reevaluate it on a on a need basis but how do you so if in the midst of you having these different businesses and you know being newly married and so being pulled mm-hmm. you know left and right you know with that stress that we were discussing yeah. that you know it that comes on being like a black male what what is your way of practicing self-care like how do you mm-hmm. how do you balance that mental part for yourself yeah um i think you know exercise you know i like to run to me i think running is it's very healthy, obviously, but it's like therapeutic for me. Like running to the store? Oh uh, no, no, like running like a mile or two. Um, and I, I haven't, I haven't ran as much as I used to, but straight, of course. I remember one. So you don't stop? No, you don't walk with your hands no. in your head. The most, the most, the most I've ran nonstop was thirteen and a half miles. Well, you running from? Who are you running from? You See, know, you got to run from somebody. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, like you know, like you must have been like running like from something. Like mm. I don't know anybody. Mm. Well, let me say this: I don't know anybody that's really tan yeah. in the melanin area that has run. <laughs> that was a good one. You a politician? <laughs> yeah, I try. I try to balance, try to balance this thing out, right? <laughs> like you did that. Like how you did that. You know, I don't. I don't know a lot of you know brown skinned people who run like that I mean is that like how big of how big a deal is that to you like you were saying and see I think that's um something that we have to you know that's just like the myths that we have like, yeah we don't run we don't swim we don't yeah, yeah yeah um you know you want to debunk those myths I think for me what was what motivated me to start running was when I had went to the doctor um and and the physician who was the head of heart at Cleveland Clinic yeah. you know Cleveland Clinic is number one at heart yeah he's the head of it so um, I was having a lot of uh, chest pains and I was having sharp pains in my arm and long story short um, I had high cholesterol mm-hmm. he came to the to the to the, um, to the room and he was like Antoine good news is you don't have coronary uh, heart disease yeah. but if you don't take uh, Lipitor you will and to me I just thought that was like wow. how do you come at somebody like that wow and it really messed me up I was scared and <clears throat> I remember going back to this is when I worked at Cleveland Clinic. I remember going back to my colleague and telling her, and she was like, Antoine, I'm gonna recommend you to someone else. Um, she recommended me to the woman, and when I told her the story, she was just like, you know, Antoine, she said, You're young. She said, If you really get serious about dieting and you know, you, you know, work out, exercise, she said, yeah. You 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 know, you'll be okay. And I instantly just started running. And then I started to love it. And I would see me struggling with doing a mile. Yeah. I see it on Instagram. Yeah. yeah so yeah, it's just yeah. like, you know, and I did like 100 miles in one month. Mm-hmm. And it just became a lifestyle for me. And I mean, I don't run as much, whatever. But I would say, to get back to your question, I yeah. would say that um, exercising, of course, is, you know, always a good thing to do. Um, meditating and reading, you know, I you know I love to, you know, get in my word and, you know, pray. Yeah. 
um, serve, travel. Me and my wife been traveling a lot. So it's really just those things that are kind of mindless. What yeah. kind of just like lets you just walk away from just the, the hustle and bustle of life just to kind of wind down and just feel like stress free. Um, whatever that is for you cooking whatever it is yeah not me per se cooking but you don't cook well you know i've been really making like these gourmet spaghetti dishes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i'm you know i'm getting there man i'm getting there what you is, know salmon what is a gourmet spaghetti what is a gourmet spaghetti you know, I had to, you know what i'm saying just uh, let it be like you know a little more special <laughs> Gourmet. I, I actually just made. Yeah. I actually just made a batch of spaghetti. Ariana was out of town. Mm-hmm. I had put like peppers in it, like all the different Blue basil. I'm just trying. Like I'm just sprint. Look, I'm not using measuring cups now. I'm arrogant, man. I'm arrogant. I'm just like you. Just throw it in there with your hand. The measuring cup is in the thing. I'm like I don't even need yeah. that. Let me just fill this up, man. Now, how did it taste? Oh, it was great. Oh yeah. And, you know, I'm not going. You know, I'm not trying to. You know, gas myself. But mm-hmm. at Mike, Mike came over. Okay. Mike, Mike Collins. Yeah. Shout out to Mike. As Mike, you know, it was it was really good. You know, on the two by horn, but you know, wow, two, two, self care. So self care, man. Yeah. Make spaghetti like twine, man. I might, I might do a cookbook, man. Coming twenty twenty. <laughs> so what, what would you say? Yeah. So what would be some some self care? You know, things that you do. What would, what would you say? You know, um, for me, man, it's it's a very it's a delicate balance, you know, because again, I have you know. Um, a wife that stays home, you know, and works from home, you know, and so when I get home, you know, the kids are, you know, already, it's kind of like that thing, I come home and I want to relieve her, but also need the relief, you know, and so it's a very weird balance because I have to kind of play both roles and on top of that, they want to play. So, how do I find that time to get away? And then, you know, when I do have free time, there's something else I should be doing or I have to do or, some uh, an interest I want to fulfill, yeah. or I got to get yeah. the card, you know, yeah. fixed or get it, whatever. Like it's a ton of different things. Yeah. So this self care is like crazy important. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I love to do is just to get a massage. Yeah. You know, like that to me is like a like that allows that if there's nothing else, mm-hmm. and for and men like you know don't feel ashamed to get, like a massage isn't feminine. It's not it's like. Not. It is a it's a space where the per like the masseuse ain't talking to you, mm-hmm. the room is quiet or it's mm-hmm. tranquil, you know, like yeah. it's perfectly yeah. set, man, and your body gets relaxed, mm-hmm. your muscles that were tight get loosened up, like mm-hmm. you just feel like a better human being, yeah. you know. Men don't be afraid to you know go get a manicure, manicure. pedicure, yeah. you know. I mean, and what trips me out about even that part is go ahead, go ahead. Men act like. Women's feet is different than theirs, oh right? I mean, like, my, I got feet, and it matter. I don't want mm-hmm. fungus. I don't want black yeah. toenails. I don't yeah. want none of that. Yeah. I, like, I want to feel good about me. Like, I want to, yeah. like, if I walk into a room, I want to feel clean. Yeah. You know, I want to feel godly. Yeah. You know, I want to. There's nothing that's not. There's nothing that's not manly about that. Period. And I think you know that's actually good that you just said that because you know we've been dealing with this whole. Um, toxic um, masculinity yeah. and you know just what it means to be a man and we always associate manhood with with physical strength yeah. or toughness or the ability to not cry or um, how many women you sleep with or how much money you got um, and I, it's a guy on Instagram I keep forgetting I, th- I actually just sent it um, to you the other day um, I forget his name but he said that one thing he's really big on debunking the um the uh the myths of manhood yeah and he like jason wilson yeah 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 yeah. yeah. he posted a picture of him going to the to the uh um, to the store to pick out flowers yeah and when you see him like he's a straight up brother you know he you know he's you know he's built nice you know and he's a uh He's well kept, well clean, and he was picking off flowers. And you could instantly look at him like, "Oh man, he's man, pick off flowers. That's sweet." I mean, I might not personally be into that, but it kind of made me think like, "Yeah, why not? I go pick out flowers for my wife. I go pick out flowers for my for my mother, my grandmother. Why can't I pick out flowers for myself?" Yeah, I mean, you gonna get them when you when you gone, man. You know, it's yeah. like so. And, and if you smell a, a natural flower, Come it on. smells good. Yeah. And I think statistics show that 
Um, flowers put people in a better mood. Let's go. So it's like, why as a man can't I do that? Yeah. You know, or why as a man can I get my feet done or my hands yeah. done? But because women do, that's the thing that women women do so much. We try not to associate ourselves with it, even if we want to do it. Yeah. So um, well, women also eat. They also shower. They also use soap that smell good. Like. You can, you can, like you said, it's your funeral. Like, you're going to want flowers. Yeah. Okay, so you want to be so manly, we're going to put a bunch of bricks around your casket. <laughs> you know, like... A basketball. A basketball hoop. <laughs> we'll, make, we'll, we'll really, we'll, we'll make your, your funeral look yeah. real manly. Yeah. And look like you have you ain't got no love. Yeah. That's yeah. what you end up looking like. You yeah. look like people don't love you. Yeah. Well, you know what? Or, it's not even that people don't love you to, to, to that point. It's more so that you, even though you really want that love... You just don't want to like express it because it shows that it, it makes you vulnerable. Mm. And when you like, when you're vulnerable, then you feel like you're wide open to be criticized of what a man is. Can I say something? Come really? on, man, come on. So there is a there's an, another Jay Z. His interview he did with uh, a guy named Dean Boscott, and he talked about how people die in the hood all the time because. There's a there's a fear of vulnerability that yeah. a guy will want to shoot you mm-hmm. because you stared at him too long yeah. and he say you know he's like man like that guy will shoot you because he thinks that you see him mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah like you you yeah. you think that you know I like see the real you. you yeah and like you see what I'm going through and mm-hmm. I don't want you to see that yeah and like people die from that yeah I have to protect that because if you see that I'm exposed. Because it's raw feelings that I've never had any therapy or conversation yeah. around. So I don't even, I think that whatever this is, is yeah. like toxic. It's the yeah. worst part of me when really it's just a part of you. Yeah. And so it's a, man, it's, it's, that's oh, so crazy man. to me. No, that's good because I think that goes back to what you were talking about earlier as far as this generation being, of fathers being different from the past generations because they were so, you know, we don't talk. The man cave was like, really like a man cave Mm -hmm. where they go in they you know from hard day at work the job that they hate they go downstairs in the basement they don't talk to their kids they don't talk to their wife their wives they sit on that couch drink a beer and they fall asleep and they get up and do it all over again and really when we look at him we think he's so mad or so mean and he's just hurting you know what I'm saying he's just hurting but this generation I think that we're more conscious and aware through education you know and social media being a blessing that it is in certain aspects where we're like we're hearing it we're like well that kind of sounds like that's me yeah so if that sounds like me I have a choice to either deal with it or not deal with it but at the end of the day I'm starting to be aware now so I can go ahead and keep being how I am but I'm aware and it's good. forcing the conversation and forcing people or men to want to change. And what it's doing is it's indirectly healing the generation mm. slowly but surely. So, um, and I mean, don't get us wrong. Like you and I think we're more understanding of this, yeah. but even for us, it's, it's still a challenge. Would you say major challenge? Yeah, it's a major challenge. I think that we have to just be constantly cognizant of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, I was even thinking about how men tend to heal in in the long run. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like we find some ways of growing up through women. Yeah. Right. I mean, so a lot of our our adolescent and yeah. our, our our years of maturity That's is so spent good. pursuing women. I made a post today just about how um, Mike Tyson <laughs> he was he did an interview on his show. Uh, when he was talking about how he wasted his years because he thought what he was doing was what he should be doing. You know, mm-hmm. he's buying planes, sex with a, a hundred women, you know, uh, drinking here, smoking, like just living, you know, the life, mm-hmm. quote unquote. And he said, I was dying to live. Yeah. And it goes back to even another, you know, Jay-Z thing where the album 444 was mm-hmm. celebrated for Jay being so vulnerable and being yeah. so outspoken about, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, his marital issues and just his things with growing up with his mom or his feelings with his dad. Like it was a, it was probably the most one of the most vulnerable albums he's ever written. But any rapper. Do you think that we have do you think that it's necessary or should we be careful as to not try to only mature mm. through the sacrifice of women? Yeah, I think that um 
you know, this is a sad thing about, or the thing that kind of like makes me sad about people like Jay, who I, you know, we, you know, we yeah. to this day, man, we still, yeah. we still huge fans yeah. of Jay, man. I, you know, as a businessman, but also growing up on, you know, on him as a, as an artist, man, and just really learning from him. But the thing that kind of breaks my heart with men like that or men that are in influential positions or just men in general is that it's almost like we all we usually get it later on in life so it's like thank god that you know you are in this place right now where you're starting to you know change and influence you know a lot of young black men but why did it take you, you know, so many years to get there? And that's no shame or no yeah, yeah. You know, knock on him, but that's kind of a heartbreaker for me. Even me at 24 is when I really, you know, you know, as a, you know, as a believer, surrendered my life to Christ at 24. But there was still so much damage done mm-hmm. from my late teens till my early 20s. All the stuff that I did and all the women that I messed around with. I mean, even to this day, I might see a a random woman that you know that I messed with in the past, and my, I will feel bad because it's like. Yeah, I am different now, but the scars that she have, mm-hmm. that they're gonna still be there. Now I pray to God that she can forgive and move on, or whatever her issues yeah. are, or whether it's me or someone else. But it's like, why does it take for us to to ruin or hurt or impact negatively impact somebody else's life for us to change? And I think that that goes back to the importance of us really getting on our stuff early on. So that we can help those that are younger than us, and then advance the culture forward. So, example, there's a there's a guy that um, he's he just graduated from high school. Mm-hmm. Man, he's near and dear to my heart. Man, I just I just really just I really I really like this dude, man. Um, I always invite him over. You know, me and Ariana cook for him. Yeah. You know, you know, spend time with him, and I'm just trying to give him the game as much as I can because he's 18. Mm-hmm. So it's like, man, what if I can get him now? You know, to not be on those things that, you know, it's crazy. He's literally like, this is wild. He's literally just texting. That's crazy. He literally just texting. Yeah. But what if I can get to him now? You know, it will be like, he won't have to worry about those, you know, th- th- those things. Or the women in his life or he, whoever. He won't have to worry about those mistakes because he's getting that information now. Mm-hmm. So um, I just want us to, we're going to always make mistakes. We're not perfect. But there are certain things that we don't have to necessarily go through to change. Yeah. So to go back to your point, like as far as sacrificing women or sacrificing whatever it may be, there are some things we don't have to sacrifice. Mm. Like, I don't have to go to jail for five five years because I was selling you know selling dope you yeah. know to make money. That was a struggle for me. The struggle could be, man, I was struggling five years in my business, or the struggle. I don't have to five years of messing around with all these women. Now I got two baby mamas, and no knock to anybody that's had kids out of way a lot because I'm I'm mm-hmm. out of way a lot you know as a, as a um, as a child growing up. But what if my struggles is with my wife instead? You know what I'm saying? How do you learn those lessons, though? Like, it's so, Mm -hmm. you know, this is the sins of the father type of thought, right? Like, how do you learn those? I I always tell Jazz, like, we, the the generational curse and, you know, that transference typically, in my mind, takes place because the father and whatever he was going through, whatever he was doing, you know, if he was an alcoholic, Mm -hmm. He understood that he probably had a connection to this alcohol that he shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. But because of the shame around being vulnerable and getting yeah. help, he could never talk to his children about what not to do with alcohol. Yeah, right. It locked his voice up. Right. You know, same thing with women, same thing with smoking or, or handling your finances. Like, right. if you aren't free in that place, mm-hmm. you lost your voice. Yeah. And so your children... They can be strong in all the other areas mm-hmm. except that one that you never could teach them. Yeah. So like, how do you? What? How do you? Is there a strategy being the guy that you know mentors so many children, like, mm-hmm. and other young men that they can use mm-hmm. to overcome that, even if they don't know that that's coming? Yeah, I think that um, that that's very real. Um, if you if you wasn't taught something, you know, you don't know. Um, you know, and that kind of goes back to what we're saying as far as advancing the culture, but. I think at the end of the day, there are people that wasn't taught anything and they went on to be success stories or they went on to accomplish things. So I'm not saying that you're not going to have trial and errors. You're not going to go through things. I'm talking about us trying our best to 
help those that are coming up from coming up under us, our successors in a sense, mm-hmm. to um, not have to deal with necessary things in life. Like for example, I when I was eighteen, I got kicked out of college. Yeah. And at one point, I had a felony on my record. Yeah. And then you know I was on probation for eighteen months, and I thought that you know once I you know I had my mind together after I got you know everything cleared and you know went through my diversion program, got my record expunged, I thought that I was going to be you know focused. Well, when I finally got back into school, I did the same thing. I, I got kicked out of school twice. I'm here. I am kicked out of two schools. Same school? No, two uh, Akron and Toledo. Okay. And for me, it's just like I don't care what nobody say. I didn't have to go through that. Now, thank you know, thank God that you know he you know moved in my life. There was grace. There was mercy. Yeah. But. I don't believe that I needed to go through that to be who I am today. Now, I went through it, and it's made me who I am today, but did I have to go through that? Why do I have to go to jail? Why do I have to, you know, get get a woman pregnant? Why do I have to mess up my money? Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that those things will, you know, that, those are trial and error, but I'm just saying there are certain things in life yeah. that I feel like we don't necessarily have to go through to learn and grow. Yeah. Um, and then when we when we teach these kids or our children, whatever, you know, and we give them the ability to make an informed decision, at that point it's on them. Big facts. So then it's no longer, you know, my responsibility as far as what you do with it, but you know now, and I did my job. But I think that's what I think that's where my heart is at, is that I just want these young men to to make better decisions knowing that they're going to struggle whatever you know life you can't get through life without a struggle in, in fact i hope that you have some struggles yes but yeah. i don't want you to have to go through some unnecessary struggles what do you think so you know a good portion said at 24 you know you turn your life over to christ mm-hmm. how as a man how in your in your mandom mm-hmm. like how did that shift you because mm-hmm. There's still like you know, there's, you're at the 50 yard line almost. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you're at halftime, a better example. Mm-hmm. And you know, here's the twine that was probably down by 28. Mm-hmm. And then how did you turn the game around? Mm-hmm. You know, once how did that turn the game around for you? Yeah, um, I think I think the beautiful part about being a believer is one, um, you really start to understand your identity. I think that is so important because it's like when you know who you are. Um, that nothing else can really define you, that yeah. you are a child of God. And I know that can sound cliche, but if I really am a believer, truly a believer, and I really believe that Christ is my Savior, if I really believe that, and He, there is nothing outside of him, he is the greatest thing in my life, the greatest thing, you know, that, you know, that's known to, to man. Um, if I'm his son, then that comes with a, you know, with a certain type of weight. Yeah. Like, for example, if... If Jay hits you up and Beyonce hits you up and Obama and Michelle, um, Michelle yeah. hit you up, like Chris, if we want you and um, Jazz to come through and kick it, and everybody know, like I'm like good friends with Jay Z and Beyonce. Yeah. I'm good friends with the Obamas. Like I'm good friends with Brian and Savannah, yeah. whoever. You like I'm not tripping on who not my friend. Right. Like I'm right. kicking it. I'm right. on PJs. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm going to events and stuff right. like that. Like right. why do I care that you don't right. like me? So that like. Think about them and then think about Christ. So I think for me, it was like, man, like I am really who he say I am. I am the child of the most high. I'm, you know, I'm seated in heavenly places. I'm the righteousness of God. And it's like, even with all the mess that I've been through, that right there helped me to to remove myself from from crowds or, you know, people that I was around that wasn't no good for me. Yeah. That helped me to make tough decisions as far as like relationships, um, how I moved and being okay with that. And I think from there, it gave me a clarity to just really move on and just really figure out, okay, what is what does it look like to be a man as a, a man of God or a yeah. Christian? And I would say that if there was one word I can describe manhood, it would be responsibility. Mm. And I was responsible to you know taking care of my business in in every aspect of my life. Now, sure, I made mistakes. Yeah. I'm still learning, you know, certain things as I go, but. I feel that that was the, 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 like the, the ultimate, like game changer for me is the identity. And then, you know, just moving on from there. I tend to, um, 100% agree, Mm -hmm. you know, and from when I think about, you know, look back over my life, I've been, I had the opportunity to say when I was 12, Mm -hmm. 
That's good and it could be good and indifferent. Mm-hmm. I won't say bad. So it could be good and indifferent. Good because you know I had an opportunity to probably stay away from a lot of things growing yeah. up. Mm-hmm. But I think bad because it became just another common thread of my life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like just it became just a. Uh, it became just as analogous as saying like, oh, I started, you know, learning sports at 12 too, you know, and mm-hmm. that just became a part of my life. You know, I just kept up with sports the way I yeah. kept up with God and church. And so mm-hmm. when you get 17, 18, it hasn't, I think that it's important for a, for a man to have an impact, mm-hmm. like something that dents your life, mm-hmm. you know, like. That didn't. I was too young. I didn't go through something enough to have it to have had it dent my life, mm-hmm. you know. And so, it took me to go through some stuff, mm-hmm. you know, later on in my life, you mm-hmm. know, um, in my marriage, you know, uh, not being a hundred percent faithful in my marriage, mm-hmm. you know, having children, looking at them a certain way, meant wanting to make sure that they understood, you know, what God should look like in their life, you know, having a very spiritual wife, like, mm-hmm. and it took kind of all of that to kind of come together for me to see oh he's still sustaining me Mm -hmm. yeah okay Mm -hmm. now this thing is kind of real it's not because for so long you know and many people probably listening to this you know especially let's say you're you're catholic and you and you grew up just kind of doing the one two with your parents or grandparents and um you just you look at um you know, mass is something that you just do once a year. You, you know, you just kind of, you, you go through these things, you know, and you're a Christian, you go to, you know, um, you're a Protestant Christian, you just go to church, uh, on Christmas and Easter. And you look at these things like you, and you walk and say you're a Christian, mm-hmm. but you don't have anything to really sustain you with that. Yeah. And that's, I think that's a growth point mm-hmm. that when you need something to pull on, mm-hmm. you're going to really need something to really pull on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't think you get that without trials and tribulation. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know, I agree. I for me, you know, when you said you feel that you had got saved at twelve, I remember you know saying the Lord's prayer or whatever you want to say and um, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I remember saying that I, you know, I surrender my life. You know, at that age, you know, at a young age, I remember my grandmother taking me to church and and. You know, I was so-called a Christian, but I always argue when people... I always argue with my grandmother to this day. I don't believe that I was saved until I was 24. I believe a lot of people are walking around, and it's more so behavior modification. It's not really heart transformation. Mm. I think that, you know, a lot of us, you know, have this mindset that, oh, we're, we're saved, or we believe that we're saved, so now... I gotta live like this as a Christian, and it's more like a a check a check a box type thing. Yeah, and it's more like I gotta do this because it's, this is what the word says, or yeah. I gotta do this because it's what my parents told me, or I gotta do this because my church said this, and I don't want to get in trouble, or I don't want to be looked at like this or that. Yeah, and to me, I don't believe that that's true. In my humble opinion, I don't believe that's true Christianity because let's turn it around, and look at it in marriage. It's just like. Okay, I don't want to beat my wife because, you know, I'm going to be looked at wrong. I don't want to cheat on my wife because everybody's going to be mad at me or she's going to leave me. Or I don't want to, you know, do this or do that. And you got to ask yourself, is that really a true marriage? Is that right. true, you know, true love? Is that, you know, it's something that you want to do out of devotion instead of out of just duty. Yeah. Now, obviously, it's a duty to us. Um, but I just feel for me, that's when the heart transformation comes in because then there becomes this... Um, this this in your conscience and in your heart to not want to sin not saying that you don't fall short but it's just like i have this conviction i know that the holy spirit is indwelling in me and he is leading me you know and guiding me and this is wrong and that is wrong and i want to not do this because i don't want to hurt you know mm-hmm. my god i want to love him through obedience or whatever so for me i don't believe that i was really truly there i feel like i wanted to be there yeah. i feel like when i was kicking in and partying i still had some type of idea of it yeah. but i wasn't really committed and i feel that when i really committed you know i me personally i seen that i seen the difference yeah. in my life i look at it just a, a tad different just because when being saved so early um i always had a it was it became a more of a conviction mm-hmm. and so 
it's kind of like, you know, um, it's, if somebody put a string to your back and, you know, in the beginning you were standing right next to the person who mm-hmm. put the string to your back. Mm-hmm. And eventually, you know, you started walking away yeah. and you start walking away. Mm-hmm. You never forget that the string is on your back. Yeah. Now, as far away as you can get yeah. from the person that put the string on your back, you always know that if in, I ever got lost. Yeah. I know how to find myself back to the person. Mm, that's good. Right? That's so good. that was kind of like how my conviction, you know, worked was yeah. that even in the times where I was up or down mm. or when I was like on fire mm. and if I then, you know, got cold, like I always knew yeah. something's telling me to return back. That's good. So that's, that's kind of how, because I don't think, I, I don't, see that, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I think the experiences are they can, they can yeah. be different, you know. Yeah. I think that when you have lived a little bit more life, and then it hits you, that that goes back to that dent yeah. thought, you know, like yeah. when it when you get like punched, like oh oh this is real, yeah, like yeah. this is a difference, like. Yeah. But when you're starting a little early, you know, like like because your desire for you know your children is for them to get maybe as saved as early as possible. Yeah. But when life, the world, and, and how it impacts them is going to still impact them. Yeah, yeah. Your 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 desire is for it for them to recover. Yeah, yeah. Because of train up a child. There you go. Yeah. So I think that's still you know a space that you know like you you know you're in your book. I think that you were really you know even in single to single you were talking to singles just about the fact you know that it's. It's just vital to root your your singleness in Christ mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. before you do anything else as far as relationships Huge. or love. Because when it comes to relationships, without there being something to pull on, you know, you're going to pull each other down. Yeah. Like 100%. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. And um, if you can't love yourself... Um, you know, how can you love someone else? Man. You know, if you are unhealthy, um, how are you going to have a healthy, you know, relationship? And I think so many singles, I mean, I guess this is more like, a, you know, a transition into singles, if I may. Um, I think so many singles are, um, they love the idea of marriage, but they have no clue. Yeah. I was even telling somebody uh, not too long ago that, Although I meant well when I would you know when I was making posts on social media about single to single yeah. and stuff like that, I would say stuff like marriage is the ultimate sanctification tool. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, marriage, man, it's gonna sanctify you. I'm not married yet, but I'm saying this. Yeah. And then you get into it and you like, man, like I mean, you meant well what you were saying, but you really didn't have no clue. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times singles they want to be married, but they don't. Especially men. What was your first moment where you thought? Okay, that was I, I didn't know that. Like, what was and you when you were married? Like, what was an example of that? Um, man, I think my wife and I, um, and maybe one one day we'll have to come back on here. Yeah, you know, let her um, explain a little more. But we had a bad argument on Christmas Day. Okay. Christmas Day. On the Lord's birthday. Christmas Day, yeah. and me and her had been married for. At this time, almost three months, we got married in October. Okay. And I was just thinking in my mind, like, whoa, like, <laughs> okay, like, this is real. Yeah. But um, one thing that I'm learning more now than ever, and I actually am appreciating it, is, man, as a, as a man, as a husband, you got to die to self, man. You got to take them L's. Um, Did you apologize first? I always apologize. I'm always the one. Well, not always, but yeah. majority of the time, like I would say eight times out of ten, you know what I'm saying? She'll probably say seven or six and just to get ready. But I'm the one that always apologizes first because not because I not because I always feel like I'm sorry, but I feel like I'm the Christ. You know, she's the church and the church can be a little, you know, wishy-washy at times because yeah. the Christ has to be steady. And for me, um, that doesn't mean I've been perfect because, oh, Lord, I'm, I'm definitely not perfect. But I know that I have to set the tone and I have to, you know, try to uh, adopt this more forgiving mentality. And I feel that maybe it can be contagious to her. Not yeah. saying that she doesn't forgive or that she doesn't say I'm sorry, but I think that I want to lead by example in that. And... There is a, it's a like I seen this. I think I seen this on Instagram. The uh, son was talking to his father, 
and the son came to his father and he was like, you know, pops, I, you know, I want to get married. And his father was like, say, I'm sorry. He was like, for, for what? I just said, I want to get married. <laughs> yeah. He was like, say, I'm sorry. He was like, why? Like, I just said, I want to get married. He said, listen, just say, I'm sorry. <laughs> so they going back and forth for a while. Uh-huh. And then the son finally was like, all right, I'm sorry. And he was like, now nah, you're ready to be married. Uh, that's tough. And he was like, what do you mean? He was like, yeah, when you can say, I'm sorry for what you don't even know what you're saying, I'm sorry for yeah. Then you're ready to get married, and for me, um, I'm, I'm not, I've only been in this not even a full year, but I feel like I'm learning that early on. Just say I'm sorry. Just you know, just humble yourself enough to just die to this. Like take that L. You gonna have to take it. Like you're like you're more responsible to take that L than she is. And I, when I would be in um, our premarital, I would wonder why they was always focusing so much on me. Yeah, it would feel like an attack almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I look at it now, and it doesn't mean that women shouldn't, you know, you know, do the same thing because they, you know we are called to submit to one another. But like, man, die. You gotta die. You gotta take the L. She do something bad. I'm not saying just be somebody just we let her right, run right, over right, you, or whatever. Right. But for the sake of your marriage and the health of it, you gotta be steady. You gotta yeah. be the one to do that. So, yeah, I had that moment on Christmas, man. I was just like, whoa, okay. It's kind of like you know when those arguments. Happen. What I'll say is that you know in the time that we've been married. Mm. The window of time in which we're upset mm-hmm. has shrunken. That's good. Yeah. So in the beginning, yeah. we were just two untrained, mm-hmm. you know, koala bears just living with each other. And she would go her way, I would go mine. Mm-hmm. And we never really went like, you know, a, a more than a day. But now it's like, it may be 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. Because how, how, what, that's really good. What her and her always say is, like when you're arguing and you allow this space, you lose your best friend. Mm-hmm. So you now that that thing that you just read on social media or something that you know you got a text message that was interesting, you don't even want to share it. Yeah. Oh man. So there's this golf, this tension that's mm-hmm. really created, mm-hmm. and in your mind, you already know the solution. Yeah. Because a, you're responsible for something yeah. that you did. She's responsible for something that she did. So you can either, you can clock watch mm-hmm. and say, well, I'm going to wait until she comes yeah. out because she was more wrong. Yeah. Or you can be the man that you say you are, mm-hmm. right? Because it's not all about physical toughness. Mm-hmm. It's about how we started when we said mental tough. It's about yeah. being mentally tough is not, this goes back to just, uh, a, I didn't even say that title. Something that I really want to talk about, which is how we've confused masculinity. Mm-hmm. And it's not all about I'm the strongest, the most brute force, the coldest heart. Yeah. No, it's the heart that is that is more willing to sacrifice mm-hmm. its pleasure, yeah. its emotion, yeah. because of the greater good. Mm-hmm. Right? So I'm willing to go upstairs... Yeah. Searching my mind for something that I'm wrong about, yeah. you know, and say and lay it on the table. Yeah, that's a that's a man. That's a man. That is a man, and I, I oh man, that's that is tough to get to, because why 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 is it for us and not even just men but just people in general? Why is it so hard for us to just say I'm sorry? Pride, pride. Emotions, emotions, vulnerability, vulnerability. So really, when you're like not, you know, saying I'm sorry or humbling yourself, it's because of something that's going on internally in you. Yeah, and it kind of go. And then you know, we what we were talking about the other day. It's also faith. Yeah, a lot of times yeah. we don't want to forgive or say I'm sorry. We don't want to pardon the offense because we want that person to be brought to justice. And if that person is not brought to justice, then we're going to take the initiative to make sure that happens. On our own. On our own. What do we call it? Uh, oh. Human human justice? Human justice. I remember yeah. you said that the other day. I, that, that really blessed me because human justice, think about it. Like, we're so flawed. So we're biased. And we're trying to get this justice, but it's coming from a place of imperfection. Mm-hmm. When if we allow God to get the justice, it's going to always work out for for our good it's gonna work out for his glory and in a situation where someone has wronged you um you don't want to forgive or you or you know whatever the case may be 
you're pretty much saying, God, like, no, I'm going to take control of this. I don't believe that you're going to get justice for me. And then on the flip side, even more, or take it a little further, what if he say, you know what, I'm going to let let them slide? Right. Like, they just wronged you. They just played you out on some money. Yeah. You know, your wife, you know what I'm saying, calls you out your name. Your friend was disloyal. You like, oh, they got it. I got to pay them back. They got to yeah. They got to get that. I got to get my revenge. But he's more likely to let them slide. He's not a yeah. keeper of records. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's consequences to, you know, there there are consequences to sin, but a lot of time there's the consequences that we can't choose them. But sometimes, I mean, I think the, there's there may be a greater lesson because we can we can make our ego an idol, mm-hmm. you know. And so Absolutely. in that sense, Absolutely. while you're awaiting someone to apologize to you, he may be teaching you the lesson yeah. so that you can learn that you're not going to get what you want. You might have prayed last month, like, Lord, really help me with my ego. Yeah. And then this situation come along. You're not even looking at the fact that he answering your prayer. But really, you know, you you thinking like, I just been hurt. But then, you know, it just go back to that faith thing, man. That's why I'm telling you, as a man, you know, being married... You know, that's a faith thing. Like, all right, God, I, I, I feel wrong right now. I'm hurt. I'm bothered. But I'm going to trust that you are going to, you know, to do what you're going to do. Yeah. Because it's like, that's why, you know, we talked about the other day. That's why, like, the Bible tells us to love our neighbor. But it's like, all right, I'm loving my neighbor. It doesn't say love your neighbor because if you don't love her or him or whatever, if you don't love that person, then they're going to... Uh, they're not going to be cool with you no more. Or right. if you don't love them, then it's going to make them lack confidence. Or if you don't love them, you're not loving them. You know, you don't know that they had a mental issue or something mm. like that. So they didn't have the capacity to make the decision that you wanted them to make. It just says the love. It doesn't explain that. So your job is to look, I got to love you. It might be hard as, as ever to do it, but I'm going to make the decision to love you. And that kind of goes with forgiveness. It's unconditional. It's just like it doesn't explain to you exactly why you need to do it and the details of it. Yeah. You're just supposed to do it. But again, why don't we do it? Ego, pride, um, unforgiveness, emotions, or whatever. And I think that goes back to what we were talking about initially. When we learn to heal, when we get our mindset together, our emotions together, then we can, you know, we can make better decisions. Yeah. It's deep, man. Listen. Well, thank you for not having too much of an ego to come on here and talk to me. Oh man, come on, man. Much love. Hey man, appreciate you, brother. Yes, sir, man. So listen, y'all. Thank y'all so much for listening. Um, you know, Jasmine will be back soon. Uh, y'all pray for her. She's actually going to Africa. Um, so I don't actually know if you all are gonna hear from her until she gets back, and so she'll have plenty to talk about about her trip to Africa and uh, make sure you visit uh, thefreshlifestore.com and make sure you subscribe and share um, the podcast because, you know, that's just a cool thing to do. So, again, uh, make sure you also visit um, and follow my man Twan uh, at Twan Steel. Uh, that's uh, T-W-A-N-S-T-E-E-L-E. And make sure you buy his book, Single to Single. It's a can't miss winner, man. So thank you all again. Thank you, Twan. Appreciate you, brother. All right. Y'all be blessed.